Well, good morning. It's Pastor Chris. Sorry I've uh, missed you guys the past few days. Uh, it is the season. This morning we're going to be talking about why there are so many churches closing down and and how to fix that. I'm going to be reading an article and giving some commentary on it, my own personal opinions. And it's going to tie in a lot to our previous podcast on why millennials are anti-church. And as I've said, if we don't get the millennials in church, we're going to see more and more of the churches closing. Now, as a new pastor, I've done a lot of research on the longevity of a pastor's career. And um, most pastors do not make it five years. Not only that, uh, the suicide rate among pastors is extremely high. So this article says around 200 churches will close this week, maybe more. The pace will accelerate unless our congregations make some dramatic changes. The need is urgent. What then are some of the key changes churches must make? Allow me to give you a fair warning. None of them are easy. Indeed, they are only possible in God's power. Here are nine of them. So the first one says we must stop bemoaning the death of cultural Christianity. Such whining does us no good. Easy growth is simple. Not a reality for many churches. People no longer come to church because they believe they must do so to be culturally accepted. The next time a church member says they know where they are, they can come here if they want to, rebuke him. Great commission. Christianity is about going. It's not about y'all come. Now, <clears throat> we're all called to preach the gospel. That's just a given. And, uh, you know, what he's saying here is we're supposed to be inviting people to church. We're supposed to be able to talk to them about their excuses for not coming and give them reasons to come. And I guess the biggest one I hear is everybody's a hypocrite. Well, yeah, they are. But there's hypocrites at Walmart, but you still go. There's still hypocrites at the football game, but you still go. There's a lot of hypocrites in bars, but you still go. If you're coming to the church for the people, you're coming for the wrong reason. You come to the church to get fed, to get your spirit fed. So that's pretty much all I got to say about number one. Number two, we must cease seeing the church as a place of comfort and stability in the midst of rapid change. Well, yeah, we are in rapid change, very much so, every day. Certainly, God's truth is unchanging, so we do not find comfort and stability in that reality. But don't look to your church not to change methods, approaches, and human-made traditions. Indeed, we must learn to be uncomfortable in the world if we are to make a difference. we never done it that way before, is a death declaration, is what they think. Now, guys... There's so many scriptures to pop to my mind right there. Um, 
yes, God's truth is unchanging. Um, some people do come to the church because they feel like it's their umbrella because at the church you have accountability with other Christians. Um, it says, do not look to your church not to change methods, approaches, and human-made traditions. Well, we saw how the Pharisees had human man-made traditions and laws and it didn't work out well for them. A lot of our denominations now have their own covenants. Um, that's just biblically wrong. It, it should all come straight from God's word. It should all come straight from the Bible. And um, it says we must learn to be uncomfortable in the world. Well, it says that uh, you're either of the world or you're of God in the Bible. But it tells us that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world, speaking of the devil. Now, <clears throat> number three, we must abandon the entitlement mentality. Well, I would say pretty much all of America now has an entitlement mentality. Um, your church is not a country club where you pay dues to get your perks and privileges. No, it's not. A lot of people think because they show up to church and throw $20 in the offering plate that makes them good with the preacher, makes them good with God so they can go on their way. That is not how that works. If you think it is, you don't know a thimble full of your Bible. They think when you do this, you get your privileges. No, you don't. You just don't. It is a gospel outpost where you are to put yourself last. That is true. God says those that are last here will be first there. Talking about heaven. Don't seek to get your way with the music, temperature, and length of sermons. You know, I've had people call me and... Uh, Want to complain about the praise and worship team. Want to complain about this. Want to complain about that. Want to know why they weren't selected for certain committees. Want to know why the pastor passed them over for this. Why the pastor passed them over for that. And I would simply ask them. Did he ask for your opinion? Well, no. Then he probably don't want it. Did he select you to be an elder of the church? No. Well, he must not care about your opinion or feel like you have anything to bring to the table. So why can't you just come to church, sit down, sing the songs, listen to the message, and keep your mouth shut? It's real simple. It's all about that entitlement. We pay dues to the church. We're entitled to this. No, you're not. You pay dues to God. You just do it at the church. God owns all the money. It says, here's a simple guideline. Be willing to die for the sake of the gospel. That is the opposite of the entitlement mentality. The gospel. What is the gospel? It is the death, the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. Excuse me. And it is the Bible. It is the Bible. And everything that the Bible says, 
That's what it is. So, with that being said, we're going to four. We must start doing. You see, most of us like the idea of evangelism more than we like doing evangelism. Try a simple prayer and ask God to give you gospel opportunities. You may be surprised how well he will use you. Yeah, most of us like the idea of evangelism more than we like doing evangelism. You know, most people are really, they're just, um, they don't have the courage. You know, it takes a lot of courage to walk up to somebody at the water fountain and ask them, have I told you about my Jesus today? That's evangelism. That don't mean getting up on the stage, screaming and yelling, waving a Bible at people. It could be something simple, seeing a coworker that's down and depressed and asking them, have you prayed about it? Have you turned it over to God? Can I pray with you? Evangelism. The article says to try a simple prayer and ask God to give you gospel opportunities. You may be surprised how he will use you. You know, just when you wake up in the morning and ask God, God, just give me one person. You know, when I preach at my services, I always ask, God, give me that one I would leave the 99 for. Just that one. When you wake up in the morning, ask God, God, give me a chance to tell somebody about Jesus today. To let them know that you love them and you care about them. And there's a better way. That's all you got to do. And number five, they say we must stop using biblical words in unbiblical ways. Discipleship does not mean caretaking. Fellowship does not mean entertainment. Now, guys, that is a, a big one. Discipleship. That's taking people to the side and teaching them the Bible. You know, in my prison ministry, I tell my guys, in my discipleship program, to start with the book of John and to take one chapter a day. You see, there's 21 days that create a habit, consecutive days. There's also 21 chapters in the book of John. So if you'll wake up just a little bit early in the morning, just a little bit, pray and read one chapter of John for 21 days consecutive, that means not missing a day, then reading your Bible will become a habit. Now what I just told you, that's discipleship. That's teaching you how to become a follower of Christ. How to learn God's will. You see, people all the time want to pray for God's will. Well, how do you know what God's will is? That's a question I get. God's will is in the Word. 
If you read the word, you'll find God's will. But most people don't want to read their Bible. It takes too long. The next time you're trying to fall asleep and you can't fall asleep, grab your Bible and start reading. The devil hates for you to read the Bible. But as soon as you start reading that Bible, you're going to get sleepy because he's going to see to it that you fall asleep and stop reading. Now, fellowship. Fellowship does not mean entertaining or entertainment. It's getting together. It's, it's giving praise reports on what God's done in your life today, this week, today, this minute, whatever. It's holding each other accountable. That's fellowship. And you need to fellowship with like-minded people. There's only a quarter of the world's population that are Christians. That means there's three quarters that are not. That means there's three quarters of the world that's going to try to keep you from becoming a Christian, reading your Bible, being a follower of Christ. You know, my church is very non-traditional. We're a biker church, Soul Revival Biker Church. We don't go along with a lot of today's church methods. Now, that's not bemoaning the death of the cultural Christianity. That's just saying we're different. We try to do things right straight by the Bible. There's no judgment in our church. Most of my church are ex-convicts. Most have been homeless at one time or another. Most have been addicts or are addicts alcoholics, prostitutes. And we all know that past is there. So nobody judges anybody. And that's the beautiful thing in the way it's supposed to be. We come there to praise God and thank God for the change that he's given us in our lives. We fellowship Number six, we must stop focusing on minors. Satan must delight when a church spends six months wrangling over a bylaw change. That's six months of gospel neglect. So that's something minor in the church. You know, and that's something that they're saying takes your focus off of your evangelism, off of your discipleship, off of your fellowship. Churches these days get so wrapped up in arguing right or wrong and little things that really hinder you from talking about the gospel. Now, number seven, it says, we must stop shooting our own. Wow, that's pretty strong there. Let's see what it says here. The tragedy is related to the entitlement mentality. If we don't get our way, we will go after the pastor, the staff member, or the church member 
who has a different perspective from our own. We will even go after their families. Don't let bullies and critics control the church. Don't shoot your own. It is not friendly fire. This pastor has asked numerous people to leave his church. As a pastor, we're known as shepherds, and the congregation are our sheep. And sometimes we have wolves in sheep's clothing. Eventually, they, they will come out and show themselves. In Matthew 18, it tells that we go to them in private. And if that doesn't work, we take a couple of brothers or sisters from the church with us and speak to them so we have witness. If that does not work, we ask them to leave the church. I have no problem with that. I don't like drama at all. I don't like bullies at all. And I'm going to do my very best to protect our church from both. It's so funny today. People are so arrogant. They think their way is the only way. I have a little saying when people come at me wanting to argue. I just say thank you for giving me another perspective to consider. You see, the Bible tells us that anger breeds anger, but soft words turn away wrath. So by just thanking them for another perspective to consider, we're pretty much ending that conversation. If they want to continue to argue, you just simply walk away. So again, number seven, don't shoot our own because it's not friendly fire. Guys, things are going to get ugly in the church. That doesn't mean you run from God. That doesn't mean you run from the church. I did that. For years, God would call me to go back to church, and people would run me off. We call that church hurt. And church hurt is the worst hurt. Because you don't expect that from people who are talking love and forgiveness. But it happens. And just be prepared for it and expect it, then it's no surprise. Not all who cry, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The Bible tells me that. We need to worry about our walk with the Lord and not everybody else's. They have to answer to him, not you. What you have to answer for is your sins. Your chance to witness to somebody that you avoided. The opportunities you had to serve God that you walked away from. Those are the things you need to concern yourself about. Number eight. We must stop wasting time in unproductive meetings, committees, and business sessions. 
Wouldn't it be nice if every church member could ask only one question or make one comment in a meeting for every time he or she has shared his or her faith the past week? Wow, there would be a lot of lockjaw in that room, I guarantee you. Because the ones that are complaining are the ones that aren't doing. It always happens. But there again, they're telling us we need to be sharing the gospel. We need to be telling others. The Bible says we are to take up our cross. We are to go out to the highways and the hedges and spread the word. That's being a follower of Christ. Church has gotten too much about being a business and not enough about being a follower of Christ. Bottom line. And this is what turns away more millennials than anything. It's the people's actions in the church. People wanting to make it more of a business than being a follower of Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. The church has to be run like a business to a certain extent. There are bills to be paid. There are laws that we must abide by. There still is the IRS, especially if you're a nonprofit. There still has to be insurance paid. There still has to be other bills that are paid, especially today's world where you have websites and programs that run your finances and things like that. And if you're live streaming, you're looking at a lot more expense. If you have a praise and worship team, that equipment doesn't come cheap, nor do the people who do it. That's a whole different topic there. I feel people who do praise and worship should do it as their service to God, their gift to God. He gave them the gift of the talent, but there again, another service another time. Now, one of the biggest ones is we must become houses of prayer. Stated simply, we are doing too much in our own power. We are really busy, but we're not doing the business of God. Guys, this is a hard one. It should be easy. We just pray and ask God. Why is it hard? I saw a service a few weeks ago where a guy had a ram's horn. And he was talking throughout the Bible how they used the ram's horn and made a horn out of it to signal. And there were two different types of signal. Um... One was to gather and one was for to go to war. And he was talking about how they made that ram's horn. And they first cut it off the head. Then they drilled a hole in the end of it to blow in it, but nothing happened. So they heated it up and they stretched it out, blew in it, nothing happened. So then what they have to do? There was still flesh up in the horn. 
They have to pull the flesh out. Just like we have to dive our flesh. That flesh that comes out is our arrogance, our pride, our feelings of entitlement, our judging. That's all flesh coming out of that horn that has to come out of us. The arrogance, the narcissism, it all has to come out. But then once they get the flesh out, that's not enough. They have to polish the inside. How do we polish the inside? We get into the word of God and we learn God's will. So we're not much different than that ram's horn, you see. Then we can pray. Then we can ask God, what do we do? What is your will for me? Then we be still and we listen because he said it will be a still, soft voice that comes to us. We make too many decisions without taking it to prayer. My wife reminds me of this often when I tell her, I think we should do this for the church. Her first thing is, have you prayed about it? Generally, my first answer is, no, you're right, I need to. Because the Bible tells us to take everything to him in prayer. You know, when God gives me the key to the car, I put it in the ditch. My life is full of driving in the ditch. But when I let him have the key and take the wheel, straight and narrow is the way. So yes, we need to make some changes in the American church today. We need to go out and we need to tell people, especially the millennials, they're the future. We need to tell them about being a follower of Christ, not a Christian, but a follower of Christ. To do things the way he wanted us to do them. Not the man-made rules that keep coming about. Maybe then we can slow this down. Again, at the end, they write, around 200 churches will close this week, maybe more. The pace will accelerate unless our congregations make some dramatic changes. This need is urgent. Then he says, hear me well, church leaders and church members. For many of your churches, the choice is simple, change or die. Time is running out. Please, for the sake of the gospel, forsake yourself and make these changes in God's power. I'll tell you a little story before I end this. When I got out of the military, I went to work for a stained glass company in Columbia, South Carolina. A majority of our work was going to old churches and removing stained glass windows. Well, my first instinct was we were going to make them some more stained glass windows to go in the church for upgrading the church. Unfortunately, to my surprise, it was 
exactly the opposite. The churches were closing. And one of the elders was at the church. And I asked him, sir, why is the church closing? I'll never forget his response. He said, son, we did not want to change. You see, most of their elders were seniors. People do not like change. People want to remain the same. The problem with that was without the change, there was no flesh, fresh blood coming into the church. Without new ideas, without new teachings, without using new methods to reach the youth, soon the elders of the church died. The members who tithed and supported the church died. So they had no choice but to shut the church down. We have to change. We have to change our ways. As long as it does not go against the word of God and his teachings. We have to be willing to use new methods, new techniques, new devices to reach the youth. Right now, churches better start figuring out their problems and how to reach the youth. They better stop this country club mentality. They better start teaching about having a personal and intimate relationship with God and not just come to the church for an hour on Sunday, throw $20 in the offering plate, and you're good with God for the next week. We call them clock punchers at our church. They walk in with their Bible, punch the clock. They walk out with their Bible, punch the clock. They throw the Bible in the back seat and drive off. And that's where their Bible stays until the next time they show up to punch the clock. That is not being a follower of Christ. The Bible said, give us this day our daily bread. God wants to hear from you daily. As a father, I can tell you, when I hear from my children, it makes me happy. When my children bring me something broken and ask me to fix it, and I see the smile on their face after I do, it makes me happy. 
God is our Father. He wants you to bring your brokenness to Him. He wants to fix your brokenness, the brokenness that only He can fix. No man, no woman, no job, no house, no car can fix your brokenness. Only God can fix your brokenness. He is your Father, your Heavenly Father, and He wants to hear from you daily. So don't be a clock puncher. Be a true follower of Christ. Get into your Bible. Find a good Bible class. Find a good straight-out-the-Bible-teaching church. Start feeding the soul, not just the body. Then maybe 200 churches a week might stop closing. If God calls you to go start a new generation church, then go. It may start in your living room. It may start in your garage. As I've stated, the biblical definition of the church is a Greek word called ecclesia. That means the body of Christ. The people that are there. Webster's definition of church is the building where people worship. Start your own church in your garage, in your living room, wherever. Just fellowship and disciple each other. It may turn into something so big you have to have a building. And don't forget, pray and ask God's will on every decision you make. So that's going to end our podcast for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've gotten something out of it. And I hope it meant something to you. Now, we're in the midst of our holiday season, so I'm not sure when I'll be making my next podcast. But I will be. I will be making one. Stand by for the next one. Please, please share this one with your friends. Let them know there are people out there, Christian people, non-traditional that want to tell them about God. You guys have a blessed day.